Good evening, church family. <laughs> it is good to see you all here tonight. <laughs> good to see those are online, those are here uh, in person. We're thankful that you're here. Tonight we're going to go to John 10 in just a moment. Um, and uh, But let's go to our great God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you for all of your goodness, for all that you've done, for all that you do and for all that you will do. We're so thankful to you for watching over us, Lord God, for blessing us in every moment and every despair and every hour of our lives. And we just ask, Lord God, that you will bless us tonight to be able to rid our minds of worldly thought and focus on you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. John chapter 10. Um, so Jesus says that I am the, you know, the light, the door. And now we get to this phrase, this thought, this understanding of a shepherd and a good shepherd. And we're going to look at tonight the relationship between the shepherds uh, of, of old, if you will, uh, what those shepherds did or did not do, neglected to do, uh, and what was going on the time Jesus came on the scene, and how Jesus distinguishes himself from those shepherds in that day. So Jesus says in John 10, verse 11 and 12, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Who is a, He who is a hireling and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Uh, so what would it feel like to be a sheep, right? Uh, or rather a shepherd in those days. This is, you know, you, you have you have this flock of, of whatever number of sheep and uh, say 100 or, or even, even 20 sheep. And the wolf comes. What do you do? Right? I mean, what do you do? There's a wolf. What about when David speaks? It's a bear. Uh, you know, there's some predator coming. A lion comes. What do you do? Uh, do you think, well, that's just one sheep. No big deal. Right? We'll get rid of the, get the rest of them away safely. Why risk my life for that sheep? Uh, or, or do you, you know, fight that sheep or, uh, that wolf, that predator? Well, we'll look more into that as we go. Bad shepherds, uh, hirelings, neglect so many things when it comes to the sheep. And it's not just because the predator's there. They just simply neglect so many things, important things and steps when it comes to the sheep. And what I want to look at uh, tonight, beginning this lesson, this idea, is in Ezekiel 34. And I want to look at the things that, that hirelings neglect when it comes to the sheep. And, and I, I want you to be thinking about, as we're going through this lesson, um, as Jesus distinguishes himself from a, a regular shepherd or a hireling, um, he separates or distinguishes himself to show you how good he is. Without saying, I am good uh, in the sense of uh, greatness, but rather, I am a good shepherd. I am the only shepherd, and every, everyone else was a hireling. Okay, and, and when you compare Jesus to, to everything else and everyone else, uh, you come out with Jesus standing so far apart from the rest. And what an amazing blessing it is 
in Christ to have Jesus as our good shepherd. And so we're talking about falling in love with Jesus. Here are more reasons to fall in love with Jesus. So uh, the bad shepherd. Here's the hireling back in this day. Let's think about as we look at Ezekiel 34. Some of the things that this bad shepherd, this hireling, that they neglect, that they forsake, and how they abandon the sheep, and how it affects uh, the sheep. Verse 1 and verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe! Shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? What does that look like? Think about that. You know, the the shepherd has a responsibility to ensure that the sheep are fed, but the shepherds are feeding themselves. Everyone else is hungry. What does that look like? (laughs) We're thinking about this, you know, we got this metaphor here, but we're thinking about, about men being shepherds of, of men, right? Sheep, I always say it like this, because this is accurate. Sheep leading sheep, right? It kind of gives the elders an excuse in a way, <laughs> but it's still, right? Sheep leading sheep, uh, all on the direction of God and to God. These shepherds are leading these sheep, but these sheep are being neglected. And so here they are, think about the the corral of sheep, if you will, together, uh, the herd of sheep, the animal sheep, and how they would how they would act or interact with their surroundings if they're starving. One thing we know about sheep is that they don't do well when they're hungry, right? They just do not do well. Uh, and I'll start, talk more about that as we go on. But now we're talking about even people. People do not do well when they are hungry. Think about being a shepherd. This is where I could probably sit down and say, okay, uh, James, J. Lee, Ken, someone, you know, come up here. Tell me what it would feel like being a shepherd in a impoverished place where the sheep are hungry. Maybe you're in India or Africa or some some other some country, some third world country. What would it be like to be a shepherd when you have sheep that are starving? It's got to be tough. The problem here is not that the shepherd took care of the sheep. And trying his best to keep them from being hungry. It's that the shepherd is keeping all the food for themselves. That's a problem. Right? Okay. Think about spiritual food too. Okay, we'll get to that. But think about keeping spiritual food away. The next one, verse 18 and verse 19. They water themselves too. Not just, not just eating the food. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pastures or that you should drink of the clear waters that you must foul the rest with your feet? That's interesting. Verse 19. And as for my my flock, they must eat what you tread down with your feet they must drink what you foul with your feet. So imagine that, you know, there's this water hole, or, or we should say a well, and there's good, clean water. And I, I'm going to give you a story about this. And, and the sheep, though, because you're standing, you're standing in the water after you've gotten your water, and, and you're having a conversation as a shepherd, 
and you're muddying the water up, and the sheep haven't drank yet. And then the sheep come along, and they're thirsty, and they have to drink that water now that you just muddied up. I, I was, I was, um, um, give you an, an Africa thing. They were so used to drinking water that, and that was the reason why they were sick, by the way. Um, so there's preventable illness, right? If you have good, clean, potable water, you can eliminate so many, so many different diseases and illness upon, in our, on our world, in our world that we're living in. If you just had good, clean, potable water, right? We, at, we drilled the wells and then the people were so used to drinking muddy, murky, shared water with animals and everything else that as the water flowed from the well, it's clean and pure. You could see it coming out like, wow, clean water. They, they were with their buckets at the end getting the water as it flowed through because that's what they were used to drinking. And we would, we had to say to them, we would stand at the well and say, no, don't drink that water. Drink this water. We had to, you know, educate. Why would you have to educate them? That's what they were used to. So imagine uh, here in Ezekiel, God is condemning the shepherds because the shepherds are doing the very opposite. They're drinking all the clean water and steering the people toward the dirty water that they themselves muddied up, that they themselves made murky, that they themselves were destroying. Kind of sad, isn't it? This is where Israel and Judah in particular here, this is where they got themselves in trouble. Verse 3. Ezekiel 34 and verse 3. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the, with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Again, what are the shepherds doing? They're taking care of themselves. Right? They don't care about the sheep. This is what the hireling does. This is what the non-caring um, shepherd does. He rules with cruelty. Right? Look at verse 5. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. So now the, the sheep have no protector, and they are afflicted. And, and eaten, destroyed, uh, bruised, battered by the predators. Because there was no protector. So imagine now, we're looking at, at this in a day where they were, there were shepherds who would care for sheep. And as the, um, uh, the, the, the disciples and the people around uh, were listening to this, as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers heard this, they're thinking about real shepherds and what these shepherds really actually were doing to their sheep, their flock. And Jesus puts that spiritual twist on it and says, this is what you shepherds are to my people. I am the complete opposite of that. We'll talk about Jesus in just, in just a moment. Look at verse 6. My flock wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. And my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field. 
for lack of a shepherd, and my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. So here God is really upset and irritated at the shepherds for not taking care of the flock. They didn't seek the flock, you know, and uh, we, we have the prodigal son, and we have the, the account where Jesus talks about uh, the good shepherd. He talks about the, you know, a person who goes out, he loses a sheep, one, he leaves in 99 to go get the one, right? Not these. These shepherds would lose one or ten or whatever it may be, and they would do nothing to go and get those those sheep. The wild animals uh, had had complete access to them. They would devour to devour the sheep, and the sheep become easy prey. That's a problem, isn't it? So, think about what Jesus is saying now from a spiritual condition of the church, right? And I want us to kind of have an open discussion on that a little bit. The spiritual condition of the church, what would happen if if the shepherds uh, didn't go after the sheep? What would happen if the if the shepherds were feeding themselves, clothing themselves, ruling with with cruelty? If they were uh, the sheep were were dangling, you know, I guess being devoured and and distraught, distraught and 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 struggling in some way or another, and and the shepherd said, "Oh well, that's on you." What if what if that was happening? What would happen to the what would happen to the sheep? What would happen to the flock? Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will what? They'll follow, right? And so, but what happens when you don't have, or when you have shepherds that aren't doing, they are not um, doing what they're supposed to do. Here's God's information about those kinds of shepherds and how destructive and devastating it is for the flock. So, physically speaking, what a, what a terrible flock this would be. Um, and we'll talk more about sheep in a moment. I had to read a book about... Um, uh, shepherds um, at one time. I read a few, quite a few books about actual shepherds, not from a spiritual standpoint, uh, but just shepherds and what shepherds say about sheep. And it's pretty amazing how closely, <laughs> I guess related or whatever you want to say, how closely humans are like sheep. I mean, I know we're not, you know, primates and I'm not, I'm not saying that, but we are very, very, very close. There's some things about sheep that uh, that very easily relate to humans, and humans relate to them. It's kind of interesting uh, that Jesus would use the, the idea, the metaphor, whatever you want to call it, of sheep and a shepherd from a physical um, perspective, and then also the same thing in a spiritual way, the sheep and uh, the shepherd. Back to John 10 and verse 10. So, what do you know about sheep? Anyone know anything about, about like, like live sheep? animals at all read books about them or um maybe you are a shepherd i learned about sheep through i guess i have an academic knowledge but when i when i went to a foreign country and saw sheep interacting with goats and you know they saw, you know you read the bible and it says the sheep on the left and the goats on the right and vice versa whatever you and I, and you know, one day I was just kind of, uh, walking around and I looked and, you know, the sheep were separated. <laughs> there were sheep on the right and goats on the left. And I thought, why are the sheep? Oh, the Bible says that. They don't hang out together. You know, you know, except for they, they graze together. Uh, but, 
when it's time to you know to sleep and and relax they don't they don't mingle they really literally separate i was really astonished uh and so i watched for a little while i also know this about sheep that um i'd watched uh, the, the shepherd i asked why would you why do you send a goat wherever your sheep would go why are you always send a goat and he's well because the sheep don't pay attention they just eat and then they get fat you know full and they and then they lay down and you know they wake up or stand up and realize wait a minute we don't know how to get home <laughs> they just get up and say well i you know i guess we'll just eat some more but the goat will actually remember the way home and bring the sheep home the sheep will follow the goat it's really interesting pretty pretty amazing and they'll follow them they'll you, you know you drive you can be driving down the street and you'll see the the goat in the front walking down the street um at a pretty fast trot but walking down the street and all the sheep in the line following the goat so if the goat had gone somewhere off you know into a strange land the sheep would just follow the goat it's, it's really a uh, pretty interesting pretty fascinating i think the study of sheep is necessary for all elders i think it's necessary for even christians for us to learn uh, truly some of the characteristics of sheep as we'll learn some of the characteristics of humans and the necessity of 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 shepherding in regards to the needs of the sheep so jesus is talking about this this um this idea this this farming idea that the shepherd and sheep the sheep desperately need the shepherd and uh, he says that i am john 10 in verse 10 i am the good shepherd verse 10 he says the thief comes only to steal and kill john 10 10 the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they might have life they might have it abundantly so so now there are these thieves these robbers who steal and kill and destroy the complete opposite of jesus who gives life abundantly who's a giver and not a taker the thief is a taker. He he steals and kills and destroys. But Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene and he's a giver and a provider and a protector. The complete opposite. The passage is so deep because now they're listening to Jesus teach. Understanding sheep and shepherds. And they're saying, wow, this is the complete opposite of what we've been used to. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And how important that really was. The thief, the sheep, <laughs> thieves, the sheep, they don't listen to any shepherd, just any old shepherd, any old voice. They know the voice of their shepherd. You could have sheep in a, in a field and and you could have anyone in that field call for those sheep. They will not respond. But when the shepherd calls, they come. It's amazing. You know, better than dogs, right? A dog would come, you know, if some stranger calls. But sheep will not. They will not answer to a stranger. And so the shepherd knows his sheep. His amazing responsibility. And we'll talk more about, like last week we talked about the door. That he's, he's at the door. And he's, when they come to the door, how he investigates each sheep and and make sure they don't have any parasites you know insects bugs all over them and if it does you know he takes care of them he treats them before they enter into uh their their 
their space, if you will, their, their, their home in the area. And he, he stays there and he does it for each one. And they all stay there and he calls them and they come. He calls them and they come. He puts them in there and they stay. It's amazing. Verse 12. Here's the hireling. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. What uh, defense mechanism the sheep had? The shepherd. <laughs> right? Yeah. They'll just fall over, right? <laughs> they have nothing. You know? And yeah, goats are worse. You scare, you scare a goat. They just fall over, right? That's, that's pretty funny if you're, <laughs> I don't recall what they, what they call that, but yeah, the goat, you, 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 you frighten the goat and they just, they just fall over. <laughs> that's kind of, kind of hilarious. Um, but the sheep have no defense mechanism. They, they have no way to care for themselves. Uh, that's what the shepherd does. So here, here, Judah is being neglected and, and God the Father is speaking, and, you know, Jesus is speaking to them. The Godhead is speaking to Judah and saying, you know, you've been scattered because of your shepherds, so woe to your shepherds because they haven't been doing their jobs. Okay? The analogy he uses is he talks about sheep and how the sheep, the animal, is distraught and destroyed and starving, thirsty, etc., because the shepherd is keeping everything for themselves. And it's a terrible, terrible scene. Judah is taken off into captivity, by the way. Um, and, and they're there in the Babylonian captivity for 70 years because not only were they neglected um, and, and all the things we just discussed, but it also created in them an opportunity to be evil. And so they became evil along with their shepherds and all, all was, was wrong. There was no guidance. There was no... No protection. There was just, there was nothing. As a result, they all suffered. Every one of them. This is not who Jesus is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So think about that as we, tonight, God's children, think about our shepherd. Wow. Isn't that great? So, 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 so when you go through the list, that means that when I, I think about this, I go, wait a minute. I'm going to step back for a moment and think about what those shepherds did not do for the sheep. And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm not like them. I, I'm, you know, I am the good shepherd, which means I'm going to make sure that you're fed, that you're clothed, that you are protected, that there's plenty of still water, good water uh, for you. I'm going to make sure that... If if one of you strays, and, and by the way, sheep don't do not necessarily stray because they're rebellious. They stray because of the fact that they just get lost. They just uh, sheep are just not very smart. I didn't say that about people, did I? Yet <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> yes. Not too far away from from the goats, but it's on it's on your point uh, about um, the sheep and goat being separated yes. from one another. 
is that uh, I, there's an older brother that knew that had goats at his house. And I was sitting in sitting in his yard talking to him. I didn't know he had goats until they, they started coming down the road. Mm-hmm. But they were walking in a line together. And they wherever the lead goat went, until they got scared and they all fell over, right. wherever the lead goat went, they would follow. And he said, oh, that's the Judas goat. I was like, the, the what? He said, that's the goat I use when I want to take the other goats to market. He said, what happens is those goats will follow him all the way into the truck. And then he'll turn around and come back out of the truck while the other ghosts just stand there facing the other way. And then he comes out, they shut the door, and then they go sell them. Right. And w- when you were talking about that, I was thinking about that is why we have to be careful about um, not just those on the outside coming in, mm-hmm. but those that are on the inside that um, are trying to lead others astray. Mm-hmm. And so when you're speaking about uh, those bad not good those bad shepherds Mm -hmm. they're only out for themselves like the judas goat Mm -hmm. um they as long as i'm good i'm good because that judas goat gets to stay home gets to get nice and fat and happy has a home to stay in and doesn't care about everyone else Mm -hmm. and um so thank you yeah thank you for that that you're right about um i didn't even put that in my lesson the judas goat Uh, you're right about that judas goat and you know a very appropriate name right um certainly leads everyone, leads all of them astray, leads them to their own death, you know. Uh, even the Bible says in Isaiah 53, like a lamb led to the slaughter, right? They just go and they're, they're killed. They don't even, which which kind of comes right back to what I was saying. Um, when, it, when you think of sheep, um, God, when he says that we are sheep, and this is one of the most offensive things a preacher can say to you, and you know, this preacher is going to say it. <laughs> sheep aren't very smart. Lambs are really stupid. Do you know what Jesus calls Christians? Lambs. Now that's what God calls us. And you know, you say, well, wait a minute. Well, why would God call us lambs? Why would he say that? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a lamb. Well, yeah, well, think about this. Here's the evidence that we are just like lambs. Sin is... There's some non-intentional sin. But we sin willfully too, right? Now, when we sin willfully, we've made a choice, haven't we? Now, I know on one hand, we've been, we've been, we've been deceived. But you know, you have that premeditated sin. You know, when somebody makes you angry and you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And then, right, and I'm going to, I'm, and then we choose that we're driving down the street and they cut us off and we chase them down the road. (laughs) Some people do that. I, I don't do that. Jay Lee does it, but I don't. I know. I, I don't do that. But you've seen people do that, right? Road rage, right? And they chase people down the street and they just because they want to say something to them or whatever. Is that premeditated sin? I mean, you're thinking about this. The process, the thought process, David had premeditated sin. He looked over the roof and who did he see? Bathsheba. He could have stopped, but his, his lust carried him on. He went on with it and at any moment he could have stopped, but he, he, he didn't. He went through with it, right? And, and I know that sometimes we're caught. The Bible says we're caught in sin. I get it. But other times we choose to sin. Oh, or you ever think about that? Why would we, when we choose to sin, what are we choosing? Satan over God. We're saying, God, I don't need you right now. I, I got this. 
or, or, or God, I, I don't, uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me, but I really want, I really want this. My, my own, my own father, my father said to me one day, he said, you know, son, sometimes you just have to sin. <laughs> what? You don't teach your boy that. <laughs> you know. Lambs would do that. You know, a lamb would, would feed right next to a wolf. I mean, partly you'd say he doesn't know it's a wolf, but he pretty much can smell that something's not right about that wolf. And, and so, you know, instead of being angry at God for calling us lambs and, and for using the analogy of sheep, metaphor of sheep in calling us sheep, let's just really humble ourselves and realize, you know what? We are. Remember the crucifixion that people were shouting and there were folks shouting that didn't know why they were shouting? And they were shouting, crucify Christ. There, there were folks just joining the group. You know, they were just in the crowd. Why are you in the crowd and you don't know what's going on? Well, because we're sheep, unfortunately. And so we have this tremendous need of God. We need God in our lives every moment, every step of the way. We, we cannot do this on our own. Would it be fair to say we're not smart enough? I mean, I would say that about myself. I'm not saying I'm not intelligent. I'm just saying I'm not smart enough. I cannot outsmart Satan. I've tried, and then I get myself caught up. Because he's, he's been doing this for a very long time. He's crafty. And, and so, so Jesus comes and he says, Look, I'm not going to hurt you like the other shepherds did. I, I'm not going to mistreat you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm not going to weaken you. I'm going to strengthen you. And I'm going to heal you when you're sick. I'm going to to investigate you to make sure you're all right. And where I find a weakness, I'm I'm going to heal or fix or correct that weakness in you. And if you get lost, I'm going to bring you back. That's what a good shepherd does. Yes. I'm just thinking about the sermon that you preached. Hang on one second. Let the microphone. So they can't hear you online. Go ahead. Sorry. The guy, the young man that was born blind and the conversation that was had between Jesus and the Pharisees mm-hmm. and how they were trying to discredit Jesus. And then it's coming back to my mind at how the passage in Ezekiel was talking about the shepherds just wanted to feed themselves. So that's just synonymous with the Pharisees again, how all they thought about was themselves. They wanted the power. They wanted the authority. They wanted all of this prestige. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how just you bringing us back to Ezekiel helped me remember that and see that parallel between that discussion with the young man born blind right. and how even his parents, like you were saying about the sheep, well, not the sheep, but the folks in the crowd were just all shouting crucify him. Because they didn't want to be found or kicked out of the temple. Mm-hmm. So they were considering, oh, no, well, no, ask him. You know, instead of standing up for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like us today as Christians. Sometimes the pressure of the world is driving us more than God. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about our life in the United States. We don't know persecution like a lot of our brethren right in the world. We think we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about politics and, the, and the, the things about my rights and this and my rights that. We're not having to deal with 
somebody holding a gun to our head asking us if we believe in Jesus. So we have to be on guard because persecution may be around the corner. So that parallel is what came to mind from the Ezekiel, bat shepherds, and then the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Yep, thank you. And that's exactly it, that, that, that John 9, that whole scenario of that young man born blind, uh, relates exactly to Ezekiel 34, uh, which brings us to John chapter 10, where Jesus is saying, this is what people do, but this is not how I am. You know, Jesus is is so different from everyone else that's ever been on the face of the earth that, you know, it would behoove us to get to know him better, to love him more, um, to be in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. But think about this for a moment. Uh, we know that. Think about people who say, well, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to come to Jesus or I, I don't want to know about Jesus or, you know, whatever they say, whatever the reason may be for not becoming a Christian, which at one time I had my, my reason too, uh, excuse, for not becoming a Christian. That shows you how I wasn't very smart. Why would I choose, why would I choose Satan over Jesus? When we have this, Satan's going to leave you out there by yourself. Satan's going to hurt you. Satan's going to destroy you. Satan can't wait to manipulate you and use you and, 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 you know, deceitfully and, and then betray you and all the bad stuff you can imagine in your life and the lies of everyone else came from Satan. Why would you choose him over Jesus who's done nothing but good for you and perfection and beauty and, and all the things you could think of and imagine that you would call heaven? Because I'm stupid. You might not say it about you, but I'm humble enough in comparison to God to say that about myself. Because that's the truth. Just sheep. We are in desperate need of God to be our leader, our director, our keeper, our sustainer, uh, and, and the one in whom uh, we follow. So, so watch what happens. Back to Ezekiel 34. Thank you for your comments tonight. Uh, back to Ezekiel 34. And I want to go look now at the converse, right? Let's look at the opposite of, um, of what a a bad shepherd is, what does a good shepherd do? So here's God. He comes in and says, okay, here's what you've been. You know, here's what you've been. Um, here's what you are. But let me show you what you're supposed to be. Okay. Uh, verse 11 is where we're going to start. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, And seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. Let's think about that verse for a moment. Are are the sheep, um, think of the way I want to word this. Are the sheep all treated equally? When he says, I'm going to go out to my sheep, does he say, well, I'm going to go out this, this, this one right here, or, or, or I'm going to kind of pick and choose, or is it the sheep in general? What do you think? It's all the sheep, right? It's the sheep in general. Just, if, if my sheep goes astray, I'm going to go get that sheep. And, and sometimes, um, I, I know, one time I served as an elder, sometimes it's hard to go get some of these sheep, because they don't want you to come get them, right? Uh, but you have to make the effort, that's the point. And he says, I'm going to go get my sheep. 
Okay. Um, he also says in this in this passage that I'm going to search them out. So this is going back to Luke, right? Luke chapter uh, 15, the prodigal son, the uh, the shepherd, the whole idea of rejoicing in heaven. I'm going to seek them out. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to search for them. That means it took effort, right? God makes the effort to go and find those sheep that are out there. And it's interesting that the way the the wording is in this text, them being scattered, um, is if it's it's a rescue mission, right? And wait, is it a rescue mission? Yeah, you're snatching them from the fire, right? So it's that idea that we go out and we we find that that lost sheep, uh, we're on a rescue mission. We find a way to communicate, contact in some way to bring them back to Jesus because something happened. I don't know. Isn't it interesting? Can we imagine uh, if we right now, we sat, if, if we started from the very front oh, and, and went all the way around the room and ended up back at me, I guess, uh, and we were say, okay, tell me a reason that you know of why a person left the Lord's church. Good, bad, or indifferent. Wow, right? <laughs> a lot of reasons. Right. Some sometimes it's just they were hurt. Maybe, maybe not even about the church. Just they were hurt um, in the, in their lives. Um, maybe they were hurt by members of the church or uh, the preacher. Something a preacher said. Uh, I'm not excluded. Right. Um, uh, the, the something the preacher did. Something the elders did. Something the elders didn't do. Something the preachers didn't do. Some of the things that pre- the elder membership did do or didn't do. And I know we can sit back and say, well, and it's true. These are just excuses. They are. Every one of them. You know, the problem with excuses is that they're believable, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe I'm not going to believe that you were out cutting your grass yesterday. I might not believe that when there's too much snow out there, right? But if you believe it, and that's why you're not here tonight, right? <laughs> what am I going to do about that, right? Uh, and so uh, Jesus makes it, makes it clear in this passage that it's a rescue mission. They're out there on a, a dark and a gloomy day. So they've gotten so far away, um, like it reminds me of Elijah fleeing to the mountain. He got so far away, God had to go out there and say, hey, you know, God doesn't chase us. He does say, you, have a, you know, you need to come back. But um, God, God did say to Elijah, why are you here? And had to make him think about, why are you here? Well, I'll tell you why I'm here. Uh, your, your people have torn down your altars and uh, they've forsaken you and they've done all these things. And I'm, I'm the only one left. His excuse was very believable, wasn't it? Because in reality, to Elijah, that was true. But God said, no, there's, if you go, when you come out of the mountain, which you will in a moment, that's always God's answer too. When we start, you know, griping, complaining, and become sorrowful, God's answer is the same answer that a counselor would give a person that comes in and says, I'm so depressed, um, I don't know what to do with my life, and they go on with it in this, this pattern of, of negativity. I don't know what to do. What's the first thing the counselor going to do? He's going to talk to them and say, okay, it's okay you feel that way. Now how are we going to help you to get out of this? Get to work. Exercise. You need to exercise. Exercise is really, you know, every book that you'll ever read about counseling, people that are dealing with depression, that one of their answers is going to be always, every single time I guarantee you is exercise. Get out. Go do something. Get your body going. Get your mind active in a different way. You know what God told Elijah? Go back to work. Go back and anoint this person, anoint that person, do this and do that. And then God took him home when it was time. But his excuse was legitimate to him. I'm the only one left. And God said, you're not the only one left. There's 7,000 other brethren out there who have not bowed the knee, who are holding fast, who are faithful and strong, who are doing what you're doing. You're not 
alone. And that's something we have to remind ourselves of as Christians um, in our service to the Lord, that we are not alone. You're never alone. You're never alone for two reasons. One, because God promises you'll never be alone. Right? So that's automatic. Number two, um, number two, we're not alone because God promises you're never going to be alone. There's always going to be someone, a remnant. There will always be a remnant. You're not ever going to be the only one. Ever. And when all, when the whole remnant's gone, if that were ever, ever the case, I think the world would end. There's always someone. So just keep your faith strong and uh, trust in the Lord and all that you, all that you do. So, um, I want to come back and deal more with Ezekiel 34 about what a good shepherd does, but our time is going to run out. But I want to look again at verse 11 and 12. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Notice he doesn't just search for any sheep. He says, my sheep. That's important, isn't it? It's important that the sheep, the the shepherd rather, know their sheep. That's critical, isn't it? I'm going to search for my sheep and seek them out. How many sheep will he pass by searching for his sheep? All, right? He's looking for his sheep, not just any sheep. We might distinguish that from the world, or you might distinguish that, I mean, any way that you you so desire, but if you're looking for your sheep, you pass everything else up to find your sheep, the sheep that you were seeking after, the sheep that was lost. So if there were 99 sheep and you were after the one, you've already got your sheep safe, those 99. Now go find the one that's missing. You pass all of the other sheep up to find the one. And then God says, heaven rejoices. So tonight, uh, I hope that something is said. Just to encourage you, you've got to love God because that's what God does for us, right? We, we, I know right now there are so many who are lonely and in despair and we're struggling. We're excited because we know COVID, we see the forest through the trees. Um, we've, we've suffered this year. We've gone through so many things. But uh, like, like Sister brought out earlier, yeah, but no one's putting a gun in our heads. <laughs> you know, thank God for that. Um, we're not living outside. I mean, there's so many things you could think of that are so positive and so good and so so wonderful and so beautiful. The thing that we do for enjoyment, you know, go camping and live outside, people have to do for out of necessity because there's nowhere else to live. And what they would do to come into a home to live and be warm and outside of inclement weather. we got to count our blessings. And the more that we spend time in counting our blessings and thanking God for being our good shepherd, the great shepherd, the only true shepherd who loves us and cares for us and comforts us and thrills us and blesses us and everything you can imagine that's good and positive, the more that we count our blessings, the less that we'll find ourselves struggling with life and all the negativity that goes on. There's so much negative in our world. When you're thinking about God, it's really hard to think about all the negatives when you're thinking about the greatness of God. So thank you tonight for your time. I certainly appreciate it. If you are not a child of God, uh, we uh, encourage you to surrender to God. If you are online and you would like to communicate with us, please do so. Um, Our phone number and information is uh, right in front of you on the screen. Uh, We will do all that we can to teach you the Word of God and help you to uh, surrender to Christ. If you're struggling in your life, uh, you can make that known in in a moment. We'll have a Devo, and you would just like prayers made on your behalf. We'll pray with you and pray for you. So God bless you all, and thank you very much for your time.